Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it does not fall on deaf ears. Thank you that it will do what it was sent to accomplish in the heart of every hearer. Let me not be a a hearer only, but also a doer. And let my actions line up with my faith. And today we trust you, no matter what hell throws at us, that you have stood the test of time. And you are there with us now, even in this hour. And everyone in the house say, Amen. I love this particular passage, and it's been a long time since I've actually brought a a word from this particular passage about Lydia in chapter 16. But I want you to notice a few things on my short time this morning to bring you this thought of hell's hit list that since God had brought Paul down to the river at the riverbank, Lydia decides she wants to be baptized and obviously they're at the riverbank so how many would agree that there was water there and while they're there at the riverbank she decides after hearing apostle Paul preach and and teach and pray that she wants to be baptized and the bible gives us description of this lady by the name of Lydia she was a woman of wealth she was a woman who had her own business probably had her own uh, corporation, if you will. She was a woman of means. She was a woman of industry. She was a woman who was accomplished. She and her house were well known, and 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 she uh, merchan- merchandised her 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 product and was known for her product. And here she is uh, listening to the Apostle Paul uh, preach here on the riverbank. And the startling thing is that when she, when she came up out of the water, it was the things that she said out of her mouth after she was in the presence of Apostle Paul and all the people who were gathered around her. And she says to the Apostle Paul, you must stay at my house. Now here she's just been baptized. She just received, believed in Christ and is baptized in water, and she comes out of the water and wants him to stay at her house. And you can't overlook this part of the scripture because she said, I want you to stay at my house. Now, evidently, she is in all likelihood, according to what we've read of her, a woman of means, a woman of substance. Somebody say to your neighbor, she had some cash. She said, I want you to come and stay at my house. And, and I don't want you to picture the houses of today that we would look at because nobody lived in a mansion in those Bible days. The fact is that since she had a house is signification that she was doing all right, that she was doing good. The fact that she had a house, that she had rooms to spare. And so to anybody that has ever entertained anyone and ever invited someone to stay in your home, whether it's a friend in need or your family that came in from out of town or whoever it is, how many would agree that anytime you have somebody come to your house, it can be a sacrifice? You are spending time cleaning and preparing. I'll never forget when my mom and dad, who pastor a church, 
used to host evangelists a lot and missionaries that would come and they would stay. And, and our church didn't have a lot of money, so the evangelists, they had to stay in our house. And I'll never forget, we had brought the bishop in from our organization, and he was going to stay, him and his wife. And my mom was real particular. She wanted everything to be just right. And so on that, on that weekend, heading into the service, before they arrived, we had a, a bowl of warm water and, and, and had some, I don't know what all was in it, but we were washing down baseboards and getting rid of all the dust. And we, she wanted to make sure that the house was immaculate before the bishop arrived. And the bishops, and they finally arrived, and mom had made a meal, and we were all seated around the table. And my young teenage self, I said, whoo, I'm glad y'all here. We were washing baseboards and everything. If looks could kill. <laughs> but you would agree with me that anytime you host, it is a sacrifice on your part. Even if you don't consider it a sacrifice, you are preparing, you are making way, you are uh, pre making preparations for someone else. But maybe Lydia really began to understand that God had blessed her to be able to make this particular sacrifice. And I want you to write this down because sometime God blesses you so that you can do what other people can't do. God will put means within your reach and, and strength in your pocketbook and help and assistance inside your sphere of influence that you can help someone who may be in need and he'll use you to do maybe through the gift of hospitality or even through the gift of monetary blessing to do for people what other people could not do. And the blessing that he gave through you, he didn't intend for the blessing to get stuck on you. He intends for you to be a facilitator of blessing, for you to be a conduit of blessing. And maybe he blessed Lydia to build the house so that when Paul came down to the river, he would ultimately have a place to stay. Who knows how much planning and time preparation went into the fact that she would have a house that would be ready to receive somebody away ahead of time before the man of God ever got to the riverbank. And if you remember, it was her invitation that actually would end up turning the city upside down. A woman of business, Lydia, the seller of purple linen and clothing is the woman who invited the man of God and his, uh, his uh, preaching buddy Silas to come and stay at her house. And evidently, according to what we read, he was somewhat resistant to her because the Bible said that she had to persuade him. She had to urge him. She had to really come him back and say, oh, yes, sir, please. It won't be an inconvenience. Come on. Y'all are welcome. We got a room to spare. We, we got clean sheets on the bed. We ready to receive company. And it took a little work, and maybe it really wasn't easy, but eventually Paul said, okay, 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 we'll come. She persisted, and I can hear Paul saying, okay, all right, Lydia, we're coming. I'm, I'm, I'm going right now. Let me get my Bible. You know, there wasn't a Bible 
for him to get. I'm just paraphrasing here. Let me get my stuff, and we're going to come over to your house. Come on, Silas. We're going to go over to Lydia's house. Uh, where does she live? I don't know. She's just worrying me to death. And she ain't going to hush till we go over and stay at her house. So we're going to go down to Lydia's house. We're going to eat her soup beans. We're going to eat her food. We're going to sleep in the bed she provides. And at least we got us a place to stay. And I don't know what kind of situation we're getting into. I don't know if there's bed bugs over there. I don't know if they got cats crawling around on the kitchen counter. I, I, I don't know what we're walking into. But can I just say, and I want you to write this down, because Lydia's heart was opened up, the gospel had a place to stay. Anytime the gospel, the heart of men and women are opened up, the gospel has a place to take root and to, to lodge and stay there. I want you to ask your neighbor just for a test, say, has your heart opened up? Because until your heart opens up, the gospel doesn't have a place to stay. That's why some people can't see it or can't understand it. That's why some people make fun of it because when the gospel passes by, their door is closed and they cannot receive the gospel. But if you ever open up your heart to the gospel, the gospel will come and stay and lodge within your house. Come on, somebody. If you ever open up your heart, the gospel will usher in and make abode with you and abide with you. Do you remember when the scripture said that God said, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. There's no handle on the outside. The handle's on the inside. You have to open up and say, come on in, Jesus. I want somebody just to shout, come on in, Jesus. God wants to make a bold in your heart. If you open your heart, the gospel will come in and find a place to stay. And the Bible says that he left her house every day and he, Paul would make journey back through Philippi and he'd go back down to that same riverbank and there he would pray and there he would preach and he'd go down and just begin to minister to whoever was there and the women would come out to hear him pray and the people would come out to hear him teach and he'd teach as long as there was daylight and the Bible said that after it was undone daylight if you'll follow the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John then he would get up and make his journey back over to Lydia's house to spend the night again at Lydia's house. And he was able to stay in Macedonia because Lydia had opened up her house. He had a preaching station. He had a ministry home base because a woman of God who was yielded to the Holy Ghost who said, Lord, come and stay in my house. Let the gospel lodge within me. Then, then, then God opened up blessing over the entire region. Can I tell you that some anointings will not abide in certain places because you won't open your heart to do what God told you to do and I come to remind the church today you are a flame keeper you are a flame burning you trim the wick and you keep the flame burning I'm talking to the wise not the foolish I'm saying they keep the flame burning because you said yes to God the gospel has a place to stay and I want to thank God this morning for every time
time that my door of my heart opened up and the gospel came in, it was an anointing that rested upon me, the power to perform, the presence of Almighty God to be evident in my life. And the reason your family is blessed today is because somebody opened up their door of their heart and the gospel had a place to reside. Go with me now to verse 16 because Paul's been going back and forth every night to Lydia's house, preaching and praying during the day, listening, going back to rest in this woman's house. But now look at verse 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, where was that place of prayer? By the riverbank. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated or grieved that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. This girl who Satan was using starts following Paul and Silas shouting, surely these men are sent by the most high God to declare unto you the way of salvation every day, constantly shouting. You would say, hey, that's free advertisement. Here she is making all these declarations which are true. And the Bible said at first that Paul, he didn't say anything. He went on down to the river to pray. He kept on teaching. He prayed and he ministered to those that were within his reach. And he ministered even to this woman. And he came back. And the thing about it is this. First of all, I want you to understand something that is important that you learn in this life. It's never the destination. It's the things that happen along the way. We understand that Apostle Paul is praying. He's doing what he was assigned to do. He's going to the riverbank every day. And he's declaring the word of God and he's praying with those that have needs. And sometimes when we are walking in our assignment and we are running towards the Lord and we are trying to fulfill the call of God on our life, you can become so busy praying about what you're going to do that you don't understand that your mission is actually happening along the way. That God's greatest assignment for you is not just to get from point A to point B, but it's the in-between. It's the things that come up when you say, how did that happen? It's the things that come up and you're like, God, I don't know what to do next. And I didn't anticipate this. This wasn't in my plan for me to drive from my house to get to my 
my place of employment. I didn't know that I was going to have to pull over and help somebody. It's not the destination. You're going to understand that the mission is in the in-between. It's where you are doing ministry. And I hear people say all the time, oh, I just can't wait to get out of Indiana. These winter weathers are killing me. Oh, it ain't killing you. Oh, listen to me. People get so vexed on trying to get somewhere, trying to get here, trying to get there, putting everything out there, telling everybody if this don't happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. The same way with our jobs, dreaming about doing something else and not forsaking the thought that Jesus has given us ability. He has given us an income. He has called us to be a steward of of the industry that he has put in our possession. I hear people even in the ministry say, I just don't like doing this anymore. You have to remember that the call of God didn't come to you out of convenience. Uh, The call of God came to you because you said yes to the Lord. And in that yes, you said, Jesus, use me. Please don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. And even though it's humble, cause my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. There's a yes in you that God said, yo, okay, then I'm going to entrust in you. And I'm preaching to some people this morning who are never satisfied. They're always thinking about, if I could just get to the next thing, the next relationship, the next job, my God, the next calling. Do you know that the ministry you're on right now, the mission that you are in between A and B is the most anointed place that God can use you? I wish I had about 10 to 15 people that would testify and say, I've been there, Pastor. I thought about quitting. I thought about throwing in the towel, but there was something in me that would not turn loose of the call that was upon my life. Tell your neighbor, keep going. Look at somebody else and say, keep going back to the riverbank. Look at somebody else and say, repeat. It is neither at point A or a point B, but somewhere between here and there that God really wants to use you. So it is neither at the praying place nor at Lydia's house, but somewhere along the way. When I was a younger preacher, I read this text and I didn't understand. I was kind of confused because this woman was saying the right thing. They were sent by the Most High God to declare the way of salvation. And I wrote this down. She was saying the right thing, but for the wrong reason. And I want you to catch this because how many people come into your life talking the talk but not walking the walk? Oh, I wish I could preach here. and, and, And you let them hang out with you because they know what to say. They know how to smooth you. They know how they got good lip service. They're a smooth talker. They talk so smooth you think you've just drunk lotion. But until you discern what spirit they are of, I don't know who I'm preaching to, until you discern what spirit they're of, but people know what to say to be able to walk with you. People know what to do. 
in order to be accepted in your circle. But you've got to pray so you can see what's in them because what's in them is going to affect you and it's going to affect your future and it's going to affect your family. So the Bible says that this woman is a witch. My God, she is a witch. She has the spirit of divination. She was a woman of witchcraft. She was an evil evil woman and I wanted to preach to you this morning about this little evil woman because I wanted to warn you that evil people can say nice things evil people can say nice stuff wicked people can smile when they need to Haters can befriend you when they need to. And I got to warn you, you don't have to be abused by the enemy. Sometimes the person right next to you is the enemy in disguise. <laughs> now, brothers and sisters, we are in a predicament here. Say this, we are in a contradiction. We have a polarized circumstance. The pluralities between these two women represent the length of which God will go. On one hand, you have Lydia, who's rich and in trouble. And on the other hand, you have a nameless poor woman who is in trouble. But the same blood that delivered Lydia reaches back to deliver this possessed woman with a spirit. And Paul rebuked the spirit and said, come out of that woman. And the Bible said that the spirit that was in her came out of her. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but something that's been worrying you, something that's been following you, something that's been haunting you, hanging over you, that's been disrupting your sleep, that has caused you to not get any rest, that won't let you enjoy this particular season in your life. The reason God brought you here this morning is to get some stuff off of you, to get some stuff that you've been dealing with out of your spirit. I wish I could preach this morning. If you don't care what anybody else thinks, if you don't care what you look like, then I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, I gotta get it off of me. I gotta get it off of me. Get it off my mind, get it off my spirit, and get it off my life. I can't sit here the rest of this day and allow this thing to take my joy and to steal my soul. In Jesus' name, the devil's got to go. In Jesus' name, hell can't have my house. In Jesus' name, I am a chosen vessel of the Lord, and who the sun sets free is free indeed. Do I have anybody in the house today that would declare I'm free in the name of Jesus? The same blood that delivered Lydia, the same blood that delivered the witch is the same blood that's going to deliver me. If you believe us, shout to God this morning and give him praise. He's able to deliver. I wish I could preach to somebody to tell you he's more than enough. He's a good God and he's able to keep you in your right mind coming in and going out. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Say it. 
Tell somebody, get it off of me. I thought, I thought in the text that Miss Lydia was significant. But when Lydia got baptized, nothing really changed. Oh, it did for her. It did for her house. But nothing in the community really changed. She became a believer and was baptized. She opened up her home. And the apostle Paul and Silas were you able to use her home as a resting place as they ministered in the region. But when this poor, no-name, ex-witch got saved, something broke, something broke in the spirit world. And the enemy got mad. And the enemy began to create a list. Hear me. If you get ready to change your life, and all hell breaks loose, it's a sign that the devil is afraid of you. He's afraid of what you're going to do because if he knows that if you ever change your life, everything around you is going to change too. I'm preaching to a drug dealer today. If you ever decide to change your life, everything around you, your family, your economy, your home, everything will change because the devil don't want to let go of you. But I come to declare to you. You are in this place today to hear the word of the gospel. If you ever decide to change what you've been doing, the devil won't like it and he'll put you on his hit list. This ex-witch decides she needs a change. (laughs) Let me see if I'm in the right place this morning. Where are my people that every time you get ready to do something, hell breaks loose? Hmm. Am I in the right place? Where are my people that every time you attempt to do something in Jesus, here come your exes from Texas. Here Here come every devil. Here come every cockroach. Here come every spider in hell. Here come every wannabe. Here come every freeloader. Here come every relative you didn't even know you had with their hand out trying to get something from you. Every time you begin to do something for God, all hell breaks loose. If you got your hand up, you're standing next to one of them people that got their hand up, just look over at them and say, you are a chain breaker. You are a chain breaker. I come to preach this morning to some chain breakers. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to be free because you're not just a man. You're not just a woman. You're a chain breaker and God has anointed you and delivered you. He wants you to praise him when you know that he's called you a chain breaker. Somebody praise him in this house. Hey! 
When you get delivered and the chains start falling off, when you get delivered and all that mess begins to fall off of you, your family starts getting free. Your babies start getting free. Your children start getting free. You begin to walk in the victory of the Lord. I want you to look at somebody and tell them you're a chain breaker. You're a chain breaker. I want you to punch somebody. Punch somebody in the arm and tell them you're a chain breaker. I feel the Holy Ghost. I got to finish this. Who would have thought that this no-name woman would be a chain breaker? The big-name big woman got saved. Nothing happened. <laughs> but when the poor slave woman got delivered, she was a chain breaker. And I got to get you to understand this. Because there is a system attached to her dysfunction. Oh, I wish I had time. Don't point at anybody. Don't even point at yourself. But we all know somebody has got high levels of dysfunction. You see it on Facebook. You see it at the family reunion. You see it at Sunday dinner. (laughs) You see it when you get together with your friends. Some people have a system of dysfunction attached to them. And if you'll let me teach this morning, I'll try to teach. But I want you to catch this. There is a system around her that benefits from her dysfunction. There are people around her that benefit from her dysfunction. The Bible says that her masters were getting rich from her dysfunction. There is an economic impact attached to her dysfunction. Somebody needs her to be messed up. Because if she gets well, they can't use her like they did anymore. So watch this. Her masters got mad because they couldn't use her anymore. They needed her to remain messed up. (laughs) There was a system attached to her dysfunction, my God. When somebody gets loose, and I mean loosed in God, every system that was tied to their dysfunction begins to fall apart because they are not the same person 
that they used to be. Can I preach to somebody? They may wear the same clothes. They may live in the same house, but they're not the same person anymore. Can I tell you, this is what happens. Her masters go after Paul, and the Bible said they snatched up the apostle and they brought him before the authorities. Read with me now in verse 19. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. And the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Notice they bring Paul and Silas to the marketplace. Oh, I, I don't have time to mess like with that like I want to because you know the marketplace is a place of transaction. But they didn't have time. They brought them uh, to the marketplace and the masters bring them to the center of town and this woman has now brought the apostles to the center stage in the city of Philippi though he started out by the riverbank outside the city he now in the middle of the city on center stage when she got delivered God brought him from the background to the forefront oh hear me the masters bring him into the marketplace before the magistrates and the Bible said that they lie on him and they say that Paul and Silas are teaching customs that are contrary to Roman law. They didn't have any evidence. They only used their mouth. They put their mouth on the man of God. They put their mouth on the anointed of the Lord. Look at the Bible says in verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now you got to hear this. The people in the marketplace hear it and they get angry enough that they want to start fighting Paul and Silas over what they heard. They want to fight them over a rumor. They want to fight them over gossip. They want to fight them over mistruth. Have you ever had somebody lie on you or misrepresent you who don't have all the facts and yet it causes people to get angry and they don't even know the truth. My God. And a fire has started. You got to watch out when a fire starts. People will become engulfed in a flame and they'll hate you even though they don't know you. They will hang you even though they don't know you. They will believe assumptions about you even though they don't know you. And when it becomes popular to hate you, people will just get on board and jump in with the flow. And sociologists have a term for what they call gang rage. It breaks out. People will get in the rage and they'll start fighting. They don't even know what they're fighting about. And all of a sudden, these men who had never seen Paul 
Paul and Silas started fighting over something that these men, the masters who, who were the masters of this witch said to the crowd and they took Paul and the magistrates turned Paul and Silas over to the people and the people got together with the magistrates and they stripped them of their clothing in the marketplace in front of everybody and they beat them in the marketplace and when I read that in King James Version it said they beat them severely and when I read it in another translation it said that it beat them with rods or beat them with canes now if you are naked and somebody beats you with a cane and beats you with a rod you would have lacerations all over your body and the Bible said they nearly beat them to death it's not just where you're hurting you're beaten and you're bloody and you're lacerated and you're about to die you got a mob beating you two men who are naked getting beat to death with canes and they don't even know why they're beating them they just got into a gang rage and decided to get on the bandwagon and the Bible said they beat them severely Paul and Silas are beaten near to death and if you study Middle Eastern culture it is severe when it says that they were beaten severely and you have to understand that the people of that day had a strong stomach for that type of punishment and when they say it's severe you better believe that it is severe and suddenly I begin to realize that Paul and Silas the same Paul and Silas who were doing all the preaching and they were doing all the praying. It is not the same Paul and Silas that are laying on that floor, beaten down by a mob, kicked and punched, teeth knocked out of their head and Cain whooped, are you hearing me? Naked in front of everybody. And when the magistrates now said, let's put them in jail, while the jailer had to put their feet in the stocks is because they were beaten so badly and they were beaten so hard, they couldn't move their own body. They were lacerated, they were tattered, they were torn, they were bloody, they were beaten to a pulp. They couldn't even put their own feet in the stocks. The jailer had to put their feet for them in the stocks they could not move. Are you hearing me? What kind of pain is that when somebody beats you down so hard that you can't even see right? You can't even move your body all because they were trying to help somebody. And I heard the Lord tell me to tell you some of you are in trouble not because of who of you but because of who you help. Some of you are in, write that down, are in trouble not because of you but because of who you help are you hearing me today can I tell you when you make up your mind that you were going to help somebody you got put on the hit list from hell and the more effective you are the more attacked you will be because you are loosing somebody that the enemy wants to keep who am I preaching here today you keep saying why do I keep going through what I'm going through why do these crazy things keep happening to me 
me. Every time I take two steps forward, I get knocked back three steps. I come to tell you, it's not because of you. It's because of what you do. You've been called to help somebody. I want them to put it up on the screen. Some of you are in trouble, not because of you, but because of who you help. Are you hearing me? It's not because of who you are, but because who you're helping. That's why you're facing what you're facing. And there are those, Paul and Silas, that are laying in the stocks. The stocks are so strong and they're too weak to move. Stocks that even if they had opened them, they wouldn't have been able to get out of them because they're bloody and they're cane whipped and they're almost unconscious. But can I tell you today, nine o'clock rolls around in the evening and everything is quiet. There's no sound in the jail at all. 9.15, nobody hears a peep out of Paul and Silas. The rest of the prisoners are taking note that somebody famous or somebody under mass security has been locked into the innermost part. 9.30, and all the inmates are listening. There's no sound in the jail at all. 10.15, a deadly quiet is over the whole jail. There's not even a chirp from a cricket. No sound in the jail at all. 11.15 and the other prisoners didn't know if they were dead or if they were alive. All they knew is that somebody had put and put in stocks and bonds. 11.15 and they're still wondering if they're alive or if they're dead. 11.30 rolls around and here they are in a predicament where they're saying, I wonder what's going to happen come midnight. But nobody has heard a sound out of these two apostles, Paul and Silas. But at 11.59, something began to shake. At 11.59, something began to turn. At 11.59, something began to move. I got to stop and praise the Lord right now because God is able to get you out of your prison. I want somebody to make some noise in this house today. You're in a place where you say, God, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know how it's going to make a way. I don't know how I'm going to get out of debt. I don't know how I'm going to get healed. I don't know how my children are going to get delivered. But I come to tell you, it is 1159 and God's about to move on your behalf. I need somebody to give God a praise at 11.59 and make some noise in this prison and declare, I may not be out yet, but I'm gonna make some noise. Come on, somebody make some noise. I may not be free yet, but I'm gonna let the devil know. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
from Bethel Family Worship Center.